Hi there, you're listening to the Football v Homophobia podcast. Whether you've been with us before on previous episodes or you're hitting play for the first time, thank you. This pod supports the Football v Homophobia campaign, an international initiative that's all about making the game truly beautiful for LGBTQ plus people and allies. Check out the website at footballvhomophobia.com and our social channels to learn more. My name is John Holmes and this is a special episode of the FVH pod brought to you in association with my organisation, Sports Media LGBT+, to mark Lesbian Visibility Week. LVW is a celebration of both lesbians and all LGBTQ plus women and non-binary people in the community. It's run annually by Diva Media Group. Now, FVH is very much here to celebrate the wonderful world of women's football as well. So with that in mind, we reached out to producer Becky Taylor-Gill and broadcaster Flo Lloyd-Hughes for a chat and we were highly delighted that they agreed to join us. Becky and Flo are well-known and in demand in the sports media industry, and they've each created platforms that are not only serving up great content, but are also building communities of devotees and aficionados of the women's game. Just before the 2019 World Cup in France, Becky launched Studs, a digital channel showcasing everything funny, cool, inclusive, and entertaining about women's football. And about a year ago, Flo launched an Insta account called Huns FC, which in her own words is dedicated to glam girls in football who bring the Hun energy. Well, in a very exciting development, Studs and Huns FC recently announced a Euros collaboration. They're teaming up to host a queer club night in Manchester, which will act as an after party for the tournament opener on Wednesday, the 6th of July. We talk about that, Studs, Huns FC, their careers to date in football media, the iconic tweet reply from the Tokyo Olympics that launched memes and a must-have t-shirt, the occasionally blurred lines of stunning players who are LGBTQ plus on social media, and more. So with no further ado, here's our chat. Okay, welcome everybody and uh, welcome to Florence and Becky. It's really great to have you with me this morning. Um, thank you for taking the time for a chat. Uh, Becky, let's start with you. So kind of tell us a little bit about yourself because we know through social, those that might follow you on those platforms and know your work, so your sports producer, specialising in women's sport and like me your fellow Liverpool John Moores alumni I see from your Twitter bio yeah I didn't <laughs> know that about you I love that um yeah I am a freelance content producer so I do a lot of different things over like social and tv um and my first job out of uni was at the FA working on women's football video um and that was like the first time I realized that I could put together like sport and feminism and like do something fun um so I've just kind of carried on with that um and I do a lot of women's football stuff I do some men's football stuff uh, especially for tv um but yeah I did that I did the the FA job and then when I left that and I would I started another full-time job this is before I went freelance I didn't really have any like fun women's football content to work on so that's when I started studs with a couple friends just to like have a creative output to make some fun women's football content um and I think there's like so many men's football like culture content platforms and there is like not or at least when we started there really wasn't that many there's so many more now for women's football but I think that's the kind of um space we were trying to take up that's great. Well, we'll talk a bit more about studs uh, in a minute, but um, let's come to, to Florence and similar questions. So journalist, writer, broadcaster, as seen on and heard on The Athletic and 
BBC London and Guardian Football Weekly. But you can tell me some more about some of the places that you've worked and some of the events you've worked on. Yeah, so I, there's there's a, a, a few similarities with Becky as well. I mean, I have always been obsessed with football ever since I was a kid, had subscription to Match Magazine. Um, my brothers called me Gaz growing up after Gary Lineker. Um, I was just absolutely football obsessed. I'm a QPR fan, grew up in Hammersmith, uh, have been going to games for probably over 20 years now there, had season tickets for my family. So I was always really obsessed with football and I played football growing up, um, played for QPR, but kind of dropped out of playing proper organised football. But I always knew that I wanted to work in sport and probably football, but I wasn't quite sure what that was going to be. Uh, I went to the University of Edinburgh and did a sports management degree. I originally was not thinking about going to university. Um, not many people in my family have been to university because a lot of my family work in the acting industry where you just kind of go straight in and you don't really do degree or training. Um, but my dad was always very like, I want you to go to university. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to do go to university, I will do a sports degree because that's what I'm interested. So I did sports management and I loved Edinburgh, but if I'm brutally honest, if I hadn't have had a year abroad in Miami, I don't think it would have been worth the massive amount of student debt that I currently have. Um, because I think there's a lot that I could have learned outside of that degree by, you know, hopefully getting work experience and, and other, and, you know, maybe even like apprenticeships and things like that. Obviously you don't know if you'll get that without your degree because you've got that rubber stamp. And I also had a placement as part of the part of the program. So it's hard to know what I would have, learn without it but I'm not sure there was I was learning the most useful stuff Edinburgh fantastic city great university really enjoyed my time there but the real kind of important moment for me was get, like being so lucky to get a study abroad I went to the University of Miami in Florida uh, a ridiculous place um, but anyone who follows sport will know that in the US college sport is huge it's such a big industry it you know levels wise it's nearly as good as most pro sports around the world and we don't really have that culture in the UK so when I was over there I realized that I really wanted to get into doing radio and because I was British I was a novelty for them they thought I was so smart and intelligent and funny because I had a British accent and I, anyone who's been to America will know that they think British people are just like the most interesting people in the world so um, I started doing commentary of women's basketball men's basketball did some baseball although I basically didn't quite know all the rules so I just pretended it was rounders but I got away with it um, and then I did some kind of talk shows as well, like a Saturday afternoon uh, talk show where we just talked about sport. And that was kind of when I really realised, actually, I want to go into journalism because I thought I originally thought, oh, maybe I'll work for an agency or or do like talent management. Then it was then I thought, realised, no, 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 this is the best, best live sport is the best thing about sport. And I want to be part of that. So I came back to uni wrote a little bit for the student newspaper, applied for an internship at quite a niche sports trade publication that wrote about media rights and event bidding and things like that. And I worked, I got work, started working for them literally as soon as I finished my exams, um, worked for them for about two years, but was doing lots of football bits on the side. So like sort of little bits of freelancing, some of them unpaid, some of them paid, um, and then I worked for a sports charity for a bit doing comms and PR. And then after the Women's World Cup in 2019, during that summer, I kind of built up a few more freelance gigs. Because uh, obviously, like, you know, a lot of people were looking to chat to people that knew about women's football, or could talk about women's football. Uh, Jonathan, who was 
the the former producer of Guardian Football Weekly DM me on Twitter and to be honest that DM it sounds very dramatic and over the top but it is actually probably a direct message that has kind of changed my life because because of the platform and the reach that Guardian Football Weekly had and still has it, it, it put me into so many people's radars and I think I've got a lot of work as a result of that so I did a few episodes with them during that summer and then just before the pandemic hit Becky um, helped persuade me to go freelance and then all the football was cancelled because of the pandemic <laughs> um, but after you know a bit of a break uh football came back and since sort of june 2020 it's just been relentless like i haven't stopped working because football has just been non-stop and with two of my brothers being actors what i actually learned over the course of the last two years is football is actually a very stable industry much more stable than acting because you know they had the th- obviously all the theaters shut down tv and film sets all shut down they were all they were both out of work for a fairly long time and i was trotting off to the den to report on millwall qpr so it, it's actually a lot and and, and the, ma- the great thing about football is there's it's such a big industry there's so many jobs you can do and i think that's why for me i feel like i've really kind of found my place because there is never a dull moment whether you want to work a production like Becky does or do other content or you want to work a more commercial side there's just so many different projects so many exciting things so yeah I love working in football and I feel like this is definitely somewhere or another I'll be working in the industry I'm I'm no doubt for like for for the rest of my career Oh, that's fantastic. And it's so great to hear kind of, you know, the, the breaks that you've been able to have and also how kind of social media has kind of played a part in that. Because I, I think, you know, that's an inspiration to a lot of people to know that they might be heard somewhere and that might help them get their big break, as it were. So that's really encouraging. And it's just awesome to have the both of you on because I know you're great mates and, and, you know, your career paths kind of cross over and, and there's lots of kind of different collabs and stuff that you guys get to work on. And a big one coming up you know, as we sort of um, were talking before we start recording about the Euros and um, and your two groups that you've uh, that you kind of co-founded or founded, you have to tell me the exact kind of uh, origin story of, of both of them. Um, but, you know, you're collaborating on this Euros after party, which is going to happen after the England-Austria game, kicking off the women's Euros uh, on Wednesday, the 6th of July. So just tell us a little bit about that and about your group. So Becky, if we come back to you, so Studs, the backstory there, you sort of said a little bit about about that when when we kind of chatted at the beginning of this, but how do you see kind of Studs going forwards and presumably the the Euros here is going to be a huge, um, you know, opportunity for you? Yeah, it's um, it's really exciting and it's um, huge and I hope that we're going to have a really fun, big summer. I am basically... Unlike Flo, who works nonstop, my football season's a bit more chill and I work September to May and then I usually have a a pretty chill summer. So my plan is to just absolutely go crazy at the Euros and I have so many tickets and I'm just going to do stud stuff and have fun. Um, So, yeah, I hope that it'll be a big summer for us and obviously very excited to collaborate with Huns. me and Flo are great collaborators. <laughs> I, she's laughing because we're, <laughs> we, 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 we're, we're quite different. It's funny about our friendship. Like we're very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, we are very different people, but we love working together, even though it can be slightly stressful and chaotic at times. Um, <laughs> I don't know why we I, do it to each other. <laughs> I don't know why we do it to each other. But yeah, I mean, um, I 
I I guess followed Becky's lead with with studs because when studs came along, I mean, kind of I don't want to talk for Becky, but I, you kind of mentioned that you felt like that sort of content wasn't represented. I think we've seen a lot of, I think it all sparks from the general umbrella idea that women's football is 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 sanitized and for charity and you know it's all about inspiring young girls which is fantastic and very important but I think what Becky's done with uh, and and studs have done and what I sort of tried to tap into as well with Huns FC is not just focus on that and that being the the selling point and the important thing about women's football because it's one of many important things is kind of showcase the content that is also great and fun that's not around inspiring young girls and Becky does that with studs, you know, lots of funny content, emotional content, brilliant pictures, brilliant imagery, archive imagery. And I think it's about celebrating the here and now, but also the past of women's football, but not just focusing on that kind of legacy of getting girls to play, because it's not all about that. It's very important, but it's not all about that. And I think for me, Huns FC was a little bit like that as well, because I have always been a tomboy my whole entire life, like literally from from day one was wearing tracksuits and football shirts all the time my mom hated it and then she soon came around to the reality of that I was going to be a tomboy but I think what's great about the space of women's football is that you don't just need to be one type of woman to enjoy women's football to play women's football to be part of the community and I what I wanted to celebrate with Huns FC is celebrate women who are expressing their femininity in a really authentic, powerful, beautiful way and are doing that through football because I I think a lot of the time as a culture and a society and as a media, we shut people down for doing that. We say, oh, you can't play football with long lashes. You can't play football with long nails or lipstick or whatever. But time and time again, the biggest people in the game, Marta at the World Cup, you know, Megan Rapino with her brightly colored hair, uh, Alex Greenwood and her her lashes you know they're proving that you can and they want to they want to express themselves they want to celebrate who they are through whether it be makeup fashion hair whatever and I think that's what I wanted to sort of symbolize and showcase with Hans FC is that the two aren't mutually exclusive they can exist side by side and I'm not a particularly you know um, makeup-y person um, but I want to celebrate all the women within football, whether you like makeup or not. Like, that's amazing. You, you, I want people to feel comfortable and authentic in this space. And I don't, I hate the idea that we're telling women how, who, how, what they should look like or, or what they can and can't do. And I think Studs and Homs FC, is, we, we both, both of us have kind of prioritised that, haven't we? We're kind of celebrating the authenticity in players, in fans, uh and just being a really positive message would you say Becky yeah I agree so much with the like it's not about like it's I get it like we love to inspire young girls to play football but let give it a rest like there's like so many cool things going on and it always just gets sanitized down to like that like oh look how inspiring they are um so I agree it's just fun to to look at what we've got and be like this is so cool and also I think that the more that I've done studs the more that I've been like I just want to be silly like I just want like to be silly it's funny and women's football has like so much silliness basically that it's really fun to it's really fun to make like I enjoy making it and I think people enjoy the stuff we make so and I think the the studs tea that that Becky did the the lesbian Stacey is probably the epitome 
I wrote a piece about it for The Athletic, but the epitome of the brilliance of internet culture and women's football, the silliness that Becky mentioned, like it is peak silliness, that T-shirt, but it unites an online community and there is no cooler, better, funnier feeling than feel like you're being part of this massive in-joke. And I think that's what the T-shirt does. That's what lots of stuff's content does. That's what lots of general TikTok, Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit, whatever. A lot of the women's football online community is one big in-joke that we can all kind of enjoy at no one's expense, would you say? Probably Becky, most of the time, it's like we're all laughing together. uh, And that kind of is what makes it so brilliant. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's just kind of expand a bit on that because it was kind of my next question. So you've, you've teed it up perfectly. So, I mean, the um, image that you used to kind of promote the Huns FC um, and Studs uh, year after party was had a couple of sort of iconic photos on it. So you've got the, uh, the Sam Kerr, Christy Mewis cuddle um, after, you know, the, um, the match in the Olympics. And you've got the other picture being the kiss between Panilla and Magda that is also sort of taken on this kind of you know incredible sort of uh iconography almost in in, in the women's game um so talk about a little bit about those two those two images because you've um you've mentioned about how the Kerr Mewis picture sort of has taken on a life of its own and has inspired this whole um sort of separate element of of culture with the t-shirts and everything what what do these pictures mean to you personally and you know how have they kind of impacted on on your you know what you've done with your groups I guess Becky we'll, we'll come to you first um, I mean, Sam and Christy have changed studs and women's football forever. If when they break up, it's just it's gonna rock as not to... not no if if not when mm, if, okay if. it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna shake the women's football community to its core. Um, honestly, the like I feel like if you look up studs. Instagram it's like 50% Sam and Christy content and I like it that way I think it's amazing um and they're just like that you know there's a lot of women's football couples that you know they're a couple but they're not really really open about it and I think that's what that we love so much about them is they're just like so like oh my god look at us we're in love um which is just nice to see anyway but for it to be so like for a couple in women's football to be like so like look at us we love each other and we're always snogging on Instagram. It's just fun. I love that for them and I love it for us. Yeah, I, well, I, 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 I've I, seen, you know, sort of looking from afar, just to kind of the blossoming of their relationship and all the kind of, you know, I think you spoke about it in your piece flow for The Athletic and also on the podcast about how they're, they're like the breadcrumbs trail that was like really exciting for fans and it became a kind of a, a little kind of intriguing soap opera style subplot in itself. And, and then, you know, to see it come to fruition, um, at the Olympics in that visible way um, was just so exciting for a lot of people. So, you know, one of the reasons we're talking is because it is Lesbian Visibility Week. So Florence, Florence, to come to you on the other um, uh, image about Penilla and Magda. So that impact of that particular picture, because I have had the opportunity to talk to both of them about that a bit recently for a series they've started with Sky. Yeah, I mean, it's such a powerful image. And I think a bit like what Becky mentioned with, with Christy and Sam, I think lots of people don't want to be public about their relationships and their sexuality, which is completely, you know, completely up to them. And, and it's their personal and private life. But what is amazing about Penilla and Magda is from very early on in, in their relationship and, and kind of from that picture onwards, they have used their platform to try and kind of change the world, really. 
uh, and from a small level, from opening their DMs to say to people, you know, if you want to talk to us about coming out or about you know, any, any difficulties you're having with your sexuality, our DMs are open to using their platform on a much bigger, wider scale and doing, you know, global campaigns around um, homophobia and, and sexuality and National Coming Out Day and things like that. So I think that's what's so amazing. I mean, I remember actually... Um, when Catherine Brunt and Nat Skiver got engaged. And I remember seeing this interview on the BBC website. I think Joe Curry might have done it, actually. And I can't remember whether it was Nat or Catherine said, we we're actually really private people and we didn't really want to talk about our engagement. But we know that because of the position we're in, because of the fact that we're athletes, it's really important that we do because we need to harness this opportunity uh, as role models. And we know that it's powerful us doing this. And that, that interview has really stayed with me because I feel like Magda and Panilla and Sam and Christy in a slightly sillier way um, are, are, are all doing that. They're kind of realizing that they could, they could keep things you know, much quieter uh, and they're perfectly uh, inclined to do that, but they sort of realize the power of their platforms. And I think that's amazing. And you know, in the interview that I did with Athletic with uh, Prof Voldemort, who is the account that did the tweet that Becky then uh, put on the T-shirt, you know, they spoke to me about how Magdalene Erickson had kind of changed their life because they were really struggling with their own sexuality. But seeing such a visible gay woman in football doing what she did in France and kissing her partner, that was the validation that they needed to know that it was okay it was okay for them to be who they were and I think that's what we we sometimes speak about but we don't actually think about the meaning of those words and how powerful that is because we always talk about how visible role models change people's lives and I think we kind of sometimes talk about it in a throwaway comment but actually talking to someone like that who lives quite a, a, a you know a difficult anonymous existence because of who they are you actually realize these people are very powerful and we are lucky to live in a society where we nine times out of ten don't like don't have to necessarily hide who we are there is obviously still rampant homophobia and transphobia in the UK but you know we are lucky in some ways to live in a society where we can express ourselves and when I'm out in public with my girlfriend Sometimes I do sort of check myself and, and, you know, I've been heckled by men in vans when we've like held, hold, held hands and stuff, but I've be, it's been quite comfortable for me to feel like I can express who I am like any other couple. And I do think people like Magda and Padilla have a, have a massive part to play in that because they're normalizing that for so many people in the UK, so, so many people that might be Chelsea fans, so many people around the world with that image as well. And I think it has, I think it does change people's perceptions. And I think it, it does generally change people's lives. So I think that is such a powerful image and hopefully we'll see more of it at the Euros this summer and it'll be all over Studs' Instagram page. <laughs> Well, I'm sure we will, because I, I do think that they've kind of opened the door for a lot of, of, of fellow players to feel like they can express who they are in ways that perhaps they didn't before. And Becky, I, I suppose, you know, I'm thinking about one of the pieces that we had on our site a couple of years ago was written by Sophie Lawson, who, um, who wrote about how kind of lesbian visibility 
in the women's game often means kind of blurred lines because there are players that are navigating their visibility through Instagram and, you know, sort of being slightly cautious about how much they share on that platform. And I don't think that much has changed in the last two years, probably overall. Obviously, you've got some really high profile couples like Sam and Christy and, and Penilla and Magda that we've spoken about. But overall, there probably hasn't been, you know, a huge kind of, um, cl you know, a, a clarity um, you know, that goes against those blurred lines that Sophie was writing about. Is that, has that been your kind of experience in terms of like, you know, using a social media platform like Studs? Yeah, definitely. I think that there's there's definitely like couples that you know. It's I mean, there's so, I think there's so many couples that we all know are together, but um, I like wouldn't post about them like on. I think that's why Sam and Christy have become so much of our content because everybody knows they're a couple and we can talk about it. Whereas there's other couples that sometimes I'll have to text Flo in our group chat and be like, "Do people know that this these two are together?" Because I definitely know it, and I think people do, but. Are they public about it? And I think we've had like many conversations, especially in like LGBT History Month, of like people trying to make content about couples in women's football and being like, actually, who is like absolutely out and saying this is my girlfriend, and who are the couples that are a bit more private about it? So I do think that there's yeah maybe not that much has changed since Sophie wrote that, um, but then you, you do have like a couple of really high profile couples who hopefully will not only like change like Flo was saying change things for fans but also maybe within the professional game make other players realize that it's okay to be like this is my girlfriend we're a couple I think also probably some of that is that they all play for teams that play against each other or with each other which is an added level of politics to your relationship that maybe if you are very public about it will come back to bite you when you break up if you break up yeah a lot going on many levels to it definitely definitely I, I just I was just thinking as well for anyone listening who might not know the full story of the their lesbian Stacy t-shirt um so you can maybe just like bring us up to speed um there was a, a reply to a picture that was posted by an American journalist on Twitter and it was that picture of Sam and Christy having a cuddle uh, and then everything kind of spiraled off the back of that. So Flo, you mentioned the Prefer Voldemort account that responded. So can you just like explain for anyone who's uninitiated or has been living in a box for the last two years, um, exactly what happened there? So if you don't know, get yourself on Twitter because you're missing out on all the great gags. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the US journalist, which is terrible, but... Um, Meredith she, Cash. Meredith okay. Cash tweeted saying, I think... Uh, Qus, which is their um, what do you call it nickname? Uh, fans will appreciate this, and then she put put the picture up of uh, Sam and Christy hugging, and then everyone obviously lost him. Was like, oh my god! And then um, Stacy, legendary Stacy, replied saying, "Becky, you feel like I can't remember the exact words, but you'll know the exact okay. words." Yeah, Stacy tweeted something like, "It's good to see that they're still friends after this game, obviously because it was the bronze medal match." um hashtag sportsmanship or something like that wasn't it who, who won the bronze medal u.s remember u.s so yeah, good to see that they're still friends after this and then our absolute favorite person in the world prefer voldemort on twitter replied just replied they're lesbian stacy and <laughs> just blew up and, and then stacy so replied saying this is the best bit so am I. What's the big deal? Which I think was <laughs> the best thing in the world and just sums up what is so fantastic about 
the women's football online community especially is Stacey loves it as well and she's engaged <laughs> in it and she's engaged in the joke and you know no one is no like it's not at anyone's expense and I think that's what's really important and yeah it just became a cultural moment and then Becky when did you decide that you're going to put on a t-shirt <laughs> um so we I posted about it on studs um and I think that we'd been inactive for a little while because I'd been quite busy um and so I, I posted a picture of because then they posted a on Instagram like a Polaroid of them which was very cute posted the Polaroid and then I posted a screenshot of the tweet and I said for anyone that's wondering why we've been inactive for a little while it's because we've been recovering from this picture um and it just like it got the engagement was like insane like for for the time it was just like oh my god we've never had this many people like liking and commenting and going crazy for a post so that's when I started thinking like oh okay like we could do something good with this um and we weren't the first like there was a couple of people that had made t-shirts and stuff like that before but I just had a feeling that they maybe hadn't spoken to um the person that tweeted it um and that gave me I didn't really like that so I messaged them and I said you know this has gone crazy on our Instagram we think it's so funny and like we'd love to collaborate on something um and chatting with them was when I realized that they because their profile is really anonymous and I didn't quite know why. So they are um, a queer teenager um, from Iraq. Um, so a really difficult place to be queer. And um, we spoke to them and they were really, really keen to collaborate. Um, and they chose Iraq Queer, which is the charity. We donated all of the money that we made from the t-shirts too. So I think it was just a really nice, collaboration like it was I just put it in photoshop and typed it out it was very, very simple uh, t-shirt design um and yeah and then we put them up for sale and um you can still read about on our website about the person that tweeted it and their situation and you know their favorite women's football couples and all that kind of jazz um but yeah we put the first run up for sale and made like 450 pounds which we we're really happy with um and then legend that is Ian Wright requested a t-shirt flow helped facilitate that and we sent him one a couple of weeks ago and then he posted it on Instagram and I, it just went mental and I had I had people like professional footballers messaging us being like where can I buy this um please can I have one and so I was like right okay we'll do another run and so we did another week-long run um, about two weeks ago and sold over 100 t-shirts and made the total including the first run up to about 1,300 pounds for Araqua so it's a really I think it was a really nice collaboration and um, like so so happy that we raised so much money for the charity that the person that tweeted it picked. I think that's absolutely amazing and it's just so kind of cool to, to think about the journey of like one tweet to, to this kind of a thousand pounds over a thousand pounds raised for a really important charity and there'll be some people that maybe missed out for whatever reason or they didn't know about this uh incredible activation till now so do you think you'll do, do another, another run becky call yeah, give did, the did, people i mean i'm not, I'm not I'm, messages. yeah i can imagine <laughs> yeah so maybe i, think, I mean uh, the beauty that i think the beauty of 
doing it campaign led is you minimize a lot of waste as well so the way that it works like on everpress or similar platforms is people have to put all the orders in then it closes and then they print them so if becky can get enough interest guys slide to her dms then i'm sure she would do it because it's not it's not wasted stock, which I think is the really positive thing. It's not going to be piles and boxes sitting in Becky's flat. She has to. Yeah, then... like I've still got some of these t-shirts left from the World Cup. Some extra smalls that <laughs> if anyone wants one. But I think Becky and I will be doing merch during this summer. So if anyone is kind of looking for more funny, quirky women's football merchandise, plan is for Hans FC and Studs to do to do some stuff. Um, this summer, what they'll look like. I'm not quite sure yet, but we're both really keen to do some stuff on our on our channels. So, I mean, who doesn't love a uh, queer T-shirt? I mean, certainly I love love a couple. So, um, yeah, absolutely. I think there will be some this summer. I'm wearing my Football V Homophobia one today, which I absolutely love because um, it's got all the Pride Progress flag colours on it. And I just can imagine, you know, Pride Month is the build-up month to the Women's Euros as well. And I think Pride in London is that first weekend of July and, and then we go into the tournament on the Wednesday. So there's a whole load of kind of crossover elements here. That, that is going to be yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just How drunk to... <laughs> What's that? How drunk are you going to be that whole week? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be high on life, I'll tell you that much. I just wanted to ask as well in this context of kind of lesbian visibility week and and maybe for for both both of you um you know we spoke about Joe Curry for example doing that piece with Nat and Catherine in, in cricket and and their relationship like how have you found um that in terms of your careers has there been any sort of challenging moments um or have you kind of not really experienced any of that kind of you know potential discrimination or, or people saying you know inconsiderate things uh, or has it has it been a fairly sort of comfortable journey for both of you yeah I mean I can't say that I've experienced anything related to my sexuality in terms of discrimination I think uh, the stuff I've had has been around gender has been around unfortunately like my partner my family and things like that a lot through social media which as lots of people know can be quite a dark place um I suppose the the stuff that I I have had which um is definitely transphobic is being quite a tomboy you know when I've had stuff on social media I lot a couple of years ago probably about a year and a half ago now I had people can't even remember what you know what the context was but they were putting stuff on twitter like oh um i thought she was a man didn't realize that she was a woman kind of thing um so i've had i've had things like that on twitter and on social media um but of surprise surprise people never uh, match that up with uh things to your face it's a it's a dark dark online world but no i have been very privileged in that i think cuz women's football is a quite a a safe space in many ways you know there's a lot of work that still needs to be done but I do think because it is quite a queer space I think it really enables people to be themselves and be authentic and I know that for my girlfriend she has always said to me like it's so amazing that you've got such a queer group of friends and in such a queer network that women's football is because when she looks at her friendship group which is very straight it's been more difficult for her to kind of find not comfort because she is 
you know, I'm kind of speaking for her, but it's just been harder because she's in a much more straight environment. But for me, being with such a, a, a queer group of friends that I've managed to create within the women's football space, like it's amazing and it's unique. And I don't think I would have found that in any other industry, in any other job. And um, I think it's also allowed me to be really comfortable with who I am and also understand who I am because I think I always knew from quite an early age uh, about my sexuality and, and that I was bisexual but I think being in a women's football space really helped me kind of be comfortable and happy with that and I think if I hadn't been in that women's football space I don't know if it would have been as easy so I'm so grateful for the the amazing community that women's football is that it allows people to to really kind of be their authentic selves. And Becky, like similar question to you, I guess. I mean, perhaps like the kind of, you know, some quite strong role models in sports media for LGBTQ plus women. We sort of mentioned like Joe and Emma and Claire Bolding and all these kind of, of, of you know, really um, successful broadcasters. Have you kind of, have they, have they kind of been like role models to you or, or have you just kind of found it to be a place, a career, an industry where you could just be yourself straight from the off? Um. Yeah, I think that, um, like Flo said, like women's football, especially, is just like, like, like so many queer women. I just feel like my whole, and also I don't really know a lot of people up in London outside of the women's football space. I think like, like Flo said, like our friends group is just so gay, <laughs> um, and it's lovely, um, and it's like I don't feel like, I don't really feel like either me or Flo had to be like hey guys, I'm going to tell you something now. It was just like conversations that happened that we were all like, oh, okay. Like it just came up in conversation and it wasn't really like, okay, so I like girls. Um, so it's been, yeah, it's a really nice space. The thing that I would say, kind of similar to what Flo said, is that I've not experienced it aimed at myself, but I have been in situations where I've experienced other people's transphobia in a workspace um, and having to like deal with questioning that and like understanding my role in like opposing the people that are like that while also understanding that I'm self-employed and I you know want to be able to carry on doing my work also basically I've been in situations where I've been like should I give up be I, I am ready to give up my position to question this authority who is being transphobic. And I think that's really, really crap that you have to be in that situation where you have to be willing as a young person, I'm 26, not that young anymore, but as a relatively young person in the industry, being like, if I want to stand up for trans people and queer people, then I'm gonna have to put my job on the line. And I, I have done it and I will do it again, I'm sure. But it's not a very nice situation to be in. And so I think there's like a long, long way to go. And as a freelancer, I mean, that's a really difficult position, particularly to be in, because, you know, you could be jeopardizing a whole load of work. Do, do you feel obviously we're really conscious of the climate that we're in at the minute and, and the way these these conversations have been skewed and misconstrued and, and how, how difficult that is for our, you know, uh, the you know, trans brothers and sisters and non-binary people in our community um you know have you do you feel that's on the rise is it something you're becoming more conscious of that despite this kind of growing visibility that that we have as a community actually those people who are out to you know to be discriminatory are, are, are becoming more prevalent yeah i mean absolutely um 
the the more I think the more that like trans people and non-binary people are more visible which is great it also just comes with this horrible like nasty side where the more visible they are the more open they are to hatred and I do think that especially in sport that it's it's so prevalent (laughs) that's the right word isn't it um thank you um yeah and I do think that sport is in that really horrible horrible like situation where it's being picked by transphobes to talk about because there's this whole competition element and you know biology element which makes no sense anyway but it is I feel like I'm having a lot of conversations with a lot of different people about this far more often Um, And those conversations aren't always like, yes, we obviously support our trans and non-binary friends. They're a bit more hostile and a bit more me having to really like defend things to people. Um, So, yeah, it's um, I think it's not not a great uh, time right now for trans people in sport. Mm. And one of the things I really like about Lesbian Visibility Week, the way that Diva magazine have kind of uh, run it, is that, you know, they're very clear it's, it's for all women loving women. It's for every kind of LGBTQ plus women, woman, uh, you know, and they can find their own place in Lesbian Visibility Week. Because particularly for young people, we know that, you know, the word lesbian and, and like any kind of, uh, of label is not maybe something that they're not very comfortable with. And, and it will take them a while to find, you know, the best words to describe themselves and and have you felt that kind of solidarity vibe from lesbian visibility week flow yeah i was just kind of gonna echo what what becky said as well because i think we probably as cis queer women are in such a privileged place now because kind of what i touched on earlier i feel like we are getting to a society especially in sport where your queerness is accepted and it is celebrated in many in many places but trans people and non-binary people are not getting that same love and respect and warmth and openness and and acceptance and that is that is the next challenge that we as a as a queer community and I think that's that's great what you mentioned John about what Diva Magazine are doing need to ensure that we're fighting for because just because we are in a in a place of acceptance as as queer cis women doesn't mean that the journey is over and I think um there is so much transphobia especially online but like Becky said in sport that what someone like Diva magazine is doing to show how important it is that these women are women and they are part of the community is massive and I think just like how you mentioned young people are finding the word lesbian difficult to use as a label probably they're probably finding it difficult because that word that I that I identify as being tarnished by so much transphobia and I think it's really powerful if if we uh, as a community can almost take back that word and say no this encompasses all women and we support trans women and we support trans men uh, and however they want to label and be part of this community and we will not let people who want to weaponize it for transphobia do that and turn it into something that young people are almost scared of and don't want to be a part of because it will only push people who need that love and support further away. And I think it's such a uh, a challenging time with how much sport is being weaponized by people who have no interest in women's sport, no interest in women's rights, but 
the conversation around trans women in sport is being completely weaponized and hijacked by them. And I think we see so many organizations fighting against this like Stonewall and receiving so much abuse as a result um, that hopefully we won't continue to see that for too much longer. And those on the wrong side of history will remain that way. And we will look back on this time and think, you know, how disgusting and awful it was. And we can move on to a more positive world because at the moment it feels like we're on a real crossroads and we only are starting to see that the negative worse side of things rather than celebrating the inclusiveness and the fact that actually across the whole world there are lots of trans women who are being supported to play sport at the highest level and they're being supported by their colleagues they're being supported by their fellow athletes and we need to highlight and profile those stories rather than focus on the politicians or the the authors or loud people in society who are trying to fight against that I I completely agree and I've been really fortunate you know been able to work on some stories with uh players from women in non-binary clubs at more amateur level particularly in London I know both of you are very um well Becky you play with gold diggers is that right that's right and uh and yeah I've been fortunate enough to tell some stories from there and from other parts of the community so I think there's this real sort of inclusive vibe and really visible inclusive vibe at that amateur level and you know it'd be great to sort of get a bit more of that as we go higher up the ranks uh of, of the women's game too and hopefully it's something that might sort of get a little bit more visibility around pride month and uh, as we lead into the women's euros because there was so much in the men's euros you know kind of that um rainbow captain's armbands and some of the conversations that were had particularly with the whole germany hungary stuff that was happening so it'll be interesting to see what kind of different storylines and threads come out of uh the women's euros with relation to that cool um well i just wanted to i just wanted to wrap up one like final question because i was curious as to whether or not both of you might have sort of been had watched or heard about heartstopper um on netflix i wasn't sure if you if you watched it yet or or had finished it last night okay cool she's been texting me loads about it it just seems would die for for those boys it just seems such a cultural touch point and my little gay heart was lifted just 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 by watching it and and just sort of thinking obviously i'm an old man now but um but you know re- relating to that kind of that sense of discovering who you are but I, I was kind of one of the things i did think about it was the way that sport is used in heartstopper and, and men's men's rugby or boys rugby is obviously a really pivotal part of it but you've got the kind of two um uh, le- lesbian characters so Darcy and, and Tara but sport doesn't really come into their storyline on, on any level and I was a little bit sort of disappointed because I was thinking you know this is a great chance to show that sport you know is is this kind of really important vehicle for all of us particularly as we're growing up and working out who we are I wasn't sure if you had any sort of thoughts on on that it seems to be this different use of sport between the boys stories and the girls stories yeah I think that's interesting I didn't really think about it but I do yeah I do think that women's sport in general is like much more like at least openly queer um and they didn't have any stories along that line but uh, I just I loved uh, actually one screenshot from Heartstopper got sent into one of my like women's football group chats which was just the the um the rugby coach being like gay people can be good at sport too Charlie and I was just like yeah yeah they can (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a really important line that, and in the juxtaposition, I think of that Isaac character who's reading all the time, and he's got Gareth Thomas's autobiography, and it just kind of like reinforces that. 
Flo, if you haven't seen it yet, um, we can have another chat another time. But um, uh, it's it's. I will I just... be tuning in because Becky has been pushing it hard. So yeah, it's definitely on my list on my watch list. Yeah, I just know it's the thing that everyone's talking about alongside uh, Anita Asante retiring, and <laughs> these are the kind of the things that the topics du jour. I wish huge I'm sure news. Is, that two, is huge two, news, isn't it? Things, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was I just going to say about Heartstopper? I was going to say. Um, one thing about Heartstopper, not really relevant, but I love that they used an actual trans actress to play a trans character. And it's just like, you don't, you just don't see that. And I love that. Yeah, that This is just a Heartstopper, a Heartstopper content now. Let's just talk, talk about that forever. Well, that's, I, that also ties in with what we were just talking about, because that representation, um, you know, of, of a character from the community played by an actor from the community is just, uh, again, you know, that will mean so much to the, to what is going to be a huge global audience watching that program and and i think about the impact that that will have and and again tying back to your um friend prefer voldemort you know we we know that people in these parts of the world they don't have that level of um of engagement that we're lucky to have with our communities but they do watch netflix and that can be something that just means something to them in a whole different way yeah Okay, <laughs> that's just me having a little ramble, but uh, it means a lot. Um, so thank you both so much for spending some time with me uh, this morning. I, I don't know if there's anything we haven't spoken about, um, but it's it's just been really, really great to learn about Studs and Huns FC and look forward to uh, what's going to be a huge summer for both of you. So um, thank you so much for having a chat. I did just think of one last thing please, please about do. our Euros. Queer club night for the Euros. We haven't sorted out tickets yet, but it will be raising money for mermaids and keep an eye out for tickets. Yeah, follow follow Studs on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Hunt FC on Instagram. Uh, we'll be putting all the information on there. Once we do release tickets, we're going to have an all-queer DJ lineup. And yeah, we're raising money for mermaids. And that we'll be, hopefully we'll be doing other events as well throughout the summer, but that's what we've got confirmed at the moment. But we've got lots of big plans. So fingers crossed we'll be able to deliver all of that. But we want to make sure that we're providing really amazing um, positive spaces for lots of women, trans, non-binary people to celebrate women's football and, and enjoy women's football together. So that is our plan for this summer. So if anyone also has particular thoughts or ideas and they say, this is what I would love to see this summer, then you know, drop us a DM because we wanna represent and celebrate you, the queer community in women's football. So get in touch. Okay, we'll make sure to put all the links uh, in the article and uh, you know wherever we kind of promote this chat, which is uh, which is going to be far and wide because it's been a, a really really fascinating conversation. I thank you both so much for joining me, and uh, yeah, um, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Cheers. Hope you enjoyed the chat from the Football v Homophobia campaign and from Sports Media LGBT Plus. Our appreciation to Becky and Flo for dropping in. Find them on Twitter at, at Becky Taylor Gill and at Floyd Tweets, respectively. For studs, go to studscollective.com and on both Twitter and Insta, it's a double underscore and then studs. For Huns FC on Insta, it's just Huns FC. Links in the description, along with those for Lesbian Visibility Week, which runs until Sunday, the 1st of May. That's all for this episode. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share to help us grow. From me and all the team on the campaign, catch you next time on the FEH podcast.